You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2007 Frankfurt Avenue. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.church. I'm Johnny. I use he, him pronouns. Let's practice Lectio Divina together. This means divine reading. And it has been practiced since the time of the early church. And this practice has four movements to it. We'll do one reading, then we'll do a meditative reading, and then we'll do another reading where we talk out loud in the spirit of prayer about what we are hearing from God about this passage, and then we'll read it one more time before I offer a brief reflection on it. So this way, you're getting the passage in you, and then I'll share a little bit, and then we'll have a chance to talk back at the end, too. So someone out loud read, we need four volunteers to read out loud, it could be on Zoom or in person, this passage from Amos, these four verses from Amos. First volunteer on Zoom or in person, just raise your hand and Brian will help you with that. Thanks, Brian. I can do it. Julius is going to do it. Hear this, who trample the needy destroying the poor of the land, saying, when will the new moon be over that we may sell grain and the Sabbath that we may trade in wheat? To use a short ephah measure and an oversized shekel weight and to tilt cheating scales, to buy the indigent with silver and the needy for the price of sandals. And we may, sell, we may sell chaff as grain. The Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob, I will never forget their acts. In the spirit of prayer, what are you hearing from God on this passage? This is a part where you can speak out loud um, and share what you're receiving from this passage when it's coming up for you. It's not a time for conversation. Just you say your piece, and then we'll have time for talking later. But out loud now, anything coming up? Two or three people? Hey, Donovan, speak up. You can use the mic. Um, I don't know. I didn't read the whole thing, but it just it's a tweet about how the um, basically the income inequality is so great in the United States and the United Kingdom that uh, people that are poor are living in worse conditions than in, you know, like the median in some of the, what we would think of as like the poorest countries of the world and just, you know, the way that people are being exploited, seeing it as a teacher on a daily basis, interacting with Philly, you know, ultra poverty. Keep in mind. Anyone else? One more reader. In the final stage when we contemplate once again. Hear this, who trample the needy, destroying the poor of the land, saying, when will the new moon be over that we may sell grain, and the Sabbath that we may trade in wheat? To use a short F5 measure and an oversized shekel weight, and to tilt cheating scales, to buy the indigent with silver and the needy for the price of sandals and we may sell chaff as grain. The Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob, 
I will never forget their acts. Let's pray. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I was at City Hall on Thursday morning with uh, Councilwoman Jamie Gauthier and uh, activists from ACT UP and from the Philadelphia Coalition for Affordable Communities saying that we're in a housing crisis in Philadelphia and we want council to take a stand and make a commitment to ensuring that everybody in Philadelphia has an affordable place to live, an affordable home. I've been doing this work for 15 years or so, and we've, we've passed a, a, a land bank, the largest land bank. The, the Philadelphia is the largest city with a land bank. We've done um, other, we've, we've started something called the Housing Trust Fund, which has now permanent revenue that goes into it for affordable housing as of like a last year or so, and, and we're continuing to do this work. Um, and it takes a lot of organizing, it takes a lot of agreement, it takes power, it takes unity, it takes energy to do it. Um, and we're up against powerful forces. It is hard to do this work because we have developers who build housing units all over town who are eager to use the fairly inexpensive land in Philadelphia to make a profit. You know, we're, we're dealing with this all the time, in this neighborhood particularly, we're at right where we are. We see it happening. Um, you know, if you haven't lived here, if you're not like in, in your second generation of the house or third generation, it's hard to buy a house if you don't, if you're just a working class person in this area. Um, and we have landlords who own land, profiting off of renters, not, not actually contributing labor. We have people who, uh, um, in Philadelphia who rent land but substandard housing to people um, and as we develop rents go higher and the situation becomes a lot harder for people with fixed incomes I know people that have that are disabled that are unemployed that have a specific amount of money that they can spend and they're at the whim of whatever however the rent works you know there's no uh, rent control there's no um, way that we have right now to ensure affordable housing and housing prices are going up in Philadelphia and really all over the, all over the world and all over the country rather you know um, average rent in Manhattan is $5,000 that's the average right? So that's like, that's pretty astronomical I mean, it's a lot of money um, so really if you're budgeting properly you need to make $20,000 a month to live, in, to live there. <clears throat> so you gotta be really rich. Um, and so this particularly affects people with fixed incomes, people that are elderly, people that are unemployed, disabled. And unfortunately we have politicians who are committed to what's called a, supp a supply side housing, affordable housing plan that just says if we build more housing, increase the supply, the prices will go down because the demand will be lower. Um, even those lowered prices, though, aren't affordable to poor and working folks, though. The market can't accommodate on its, on its own those that it oppresses, right? There's people that are that, that it, the prices won't go low enough, you know? Um, so we're doing our best to make our, the difference and make housing 
be a human right in Philadelphia. But we're up against a lot of forces and a lot of a difficulty, you know. Um, there is a strong tidal wave, kind of a market forward, money forward way that we're, wave that we're resisting. And when we read this passage from Amos, it's illuminating because it tells us that this story of the overly rich oppressing the poor, cheating the poor, is an old one and a common one. I could give you the historical context for the passage, but it fits everywhere all the time. You know, it's evergreen, as they say on Twitter. It always applies. The wealthy are eager to cheat the poor. They want the Sabbath to end so that they can resume their economic activities with the ephah, that's, that improperly measures the grain. It's short, so it doesn't fit a lot of grain in it when you're measuring it. You with me? You know? And this also, manufacturers of dry measuring cups, you probably all have dry measuring cups at home, right? They're not all the same. They fit different amounts, even though like one cup isn't the same for every manufacturer, it changes. So this is why you should measure by weight, not by volume. It's a whole different conversation, but we can talk about that later. I really recommend you buy a kitchen scale. But um, some of them are like three quarters of a cup, some of them are a cup and a quarter. So like a, a leveled cup of flour isn't the same depending on the manufacturer. So. Just stay it. So it's like, I don't think they're in, I don't, I don't know. I don't think the flower companies are making these and then trying to cheat you out of them. I think that it's just, here they are though. So the ephah is small. It doesn't measure. And then the shekel weight is oversized. So you don't get enough grain. And then when it comes to measuring your shekels, the weight on the one side that's supposed to balance out is heavier. And so you, you're getting cheated twice. You're not getting a lot of stuff, as much as you bought and you're paying for more. They're tilting, you know, the guy leans on the scale, you know what I mean? Tries to make it more expensive. Um, God is assuring us that he will remember, God will remember the misdeeds of these people who have defrauded the poor. This short of cheating has been common and justified in every age, all the time. You know, we're trying to be as efficient as possible to get as, as much as we can for as little money as we can. Right? This is why we need uh, labor regulation, why we need laws to help people um, not get cheated. You know, I was just uh, downtown at an exhibit um, about ending the, uh, ending the exception in the 13th Amendment, which says that slavery is okay if you're imprisoned. It's basically what the 13th Amendment says. It's illegal, and then once you go to jail, you can be a slave. And they actually, we're reading, I'm reading these stories of these people that get paid no money and they do all sorts of work. In fact, in Louisiana, there's a former plantation that's a prison now. It's called the Angola Prison. It used to be the Angola Plantation. It's called Angola because that's where the black people came from. 
from Africa there, and they have, it's the biggest maximum security prison in the, in the country, 6,300 people, 1,800 staff, children live on this plantation, because really that's what it is, and the main job the prisoners do, who are often have life sentences and are black, is pick cotton. So it ain't even subtle, you know? The stolen labor is there, they're cheating the poor. Um, and it's been common in every age for thousands of years. So we must stay vigilant against it. It's well woven into the fabric of our society. There are ready-made arguments for people, for proponents of this unfair collection of the wealthy. They counter what is otherwise apparently evil. When you look at the income inequality that Donovan is talking about, it's so obviously evil that we have to have elaborate economic arguments to counter it. There's, and there is a whole um, host of these arguments that tell you that this apparent evil that you're countering isn't actually that bad. And in social and political discourse, the advocates for the poor are made to feel foolish. They're made to feel like they're radical, extreme. And our, our activists on Thursday wanted to enter City Hall and visit the offices of the representatives and give them little information, which is totally our right to do. You can visit your representative. You don't need an appointment. You might not see them, but you can at least see their staff. And the security guards were keeping us from going in. It's totally illegal in our rights, but the security guard said we couldn't without an appointment. It wasn't true, and we spoke back and eventually got in, but it was interesting that the powers seemed to be set against us. That, um, and at every moment, this got worse, you know. City, city, um, city council didn't even meet in person. They're still meeting on Zoom. And so... Is there a public Zoom link to their meeting? No, even though you can visit City Hall. So like how, how it works even in this town, you can see the powers working, in my opinion. The prophets of the Old Testament spoke back to the powers, like Amos is here, and they were dismissed as well. They were sidelined, they were laughed at, they were put out on the margins in the same way for the people who, the, in the same way the people that oppose the power of the state in the market today are. We should expect dismissal despite the apparent biblical and Christian convictions against greed, hoarding of wealth, and God's judgment about it. And we should not let up our resistance, even if the tide is so great. That's why we've got to do it together, in common, with a body. Right? When we organize, when we unite, we have some power against these forces of death. But everywhere I look, so it seems like people, those who advocate for the poor, in just their basic dignity, are seen as radical, unelectable, or Christians will say, you're politicizing the gospel, you're unrealistic, this sort of thing. Even the, when the gospel calls us to share all things in common, we hesitate to practically apply it. When we're called to submit our resources to God, we look for a deeper meaning to the story. But I think God's call to us is plain, even if we struggle to follow it. I think God honors the earnest and honest efforts that we make and isn't looking for perfection, but a trajectory, a posture. You know, on one hand, I think the call is there to radically redistribute our money. I don't think that... I think that God is gracious with our earnest efforts, though. And we can apply this to a lot of areas of our lives. When we're combating forces of oppression and sin in general, we're not given grace because of the work we've done but rather we're afforded grace 
then we can live fully into it, fully into what God is calling us to do. We're free to repent of the sin we're complicit in and how we've fallen short while we strive to imitate God and Christ in our actual lives. We won't be condemned for missing the mark. So that's an invitation to participate now in what we're doing. Because the things we do matter. The thing God calls us to matters. We want to be earnest in our practice of them, but remember that God is faithful even when we fall short, that God is gracious even when we fall short. Instead of cheating us with the inappropriate measuring device, instead of weighing down the scale and charging us more, God is, offers us abundant grace back, gives us more than we deserve, more than we've paid for. A whole different economic way of understanding the world. So on one hand, we're called to live radically, to share radically, and God will be gracious with us. And in that economy of grace, we learn how to share in common and how to be in common because God's grace works so differently than the way that our economy does. So even in God's forgiveness, even in God's understanding, we are given a radical way of living and knowing and being. The things we do matter. The things that God calls us to matter. God is faithful when we fall short. God's love and faithfulness is not a reason not to pursue completion or wholeness, but an invitation to it. God's grace isn't an invitation to become wealthy because God will forgive us anyway. It's an invitation to divest. And when we fall short, God will still be there. These things, these powers... They corrode us. Wealth can corrode us, can rot us, can change us, can make us less human. And in, in our effort to like bring affordable housing to our city, for example, this whole idea is engaging us in becoming more human, or restoring our humanity. So as we try to defeat these oppressive powers, we're becoming more ourselves, the lifelong journey of discovering our own humanity and becoming more like Christ gives us grace with ourselves. Christ will complete us, but we work to demonstrate that now and we share when we when we work to demonstrate that now, we share Christ with the world. When we become more of who we are, people can see God in us more clearly. This is the injury that Amos is incensed about. The rich oppress the poor, they defame the poor, they defame themselves and ultimately God. Oppression, economic oppression, hurts poor people, it hurts wealthy people, and it injures the image of God too. We're on our journey to becoming more ourselves and we can help all of us do the same. This isn't just about changing the world. It's not about just fixing the laws in Philadelphia. It's about becoming more human, too. Let's pray, and then we'll do some talk back, okay? Thank you, Lord, for being present and for being faithful to us and for meeting us where we are, exactly where we are, and moving us on to a, a journey with you. Amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. 
If you want to talk about it or get connected, visit circleofhope.church. You can also find us on Instagram or Facebook at circleofhopenet.com.